guys ready? Come on, I'm ready to go. The 9 a.m. warmed me up. See, I just did a good stretching session in the 9 a.m. So I am ready to unleash what God has put in my heart this morning. So I hope you're ready. Fasten your seatbelts and get ready for what God is going to do in all of our lives this morning. What I want to do is I want to preach a message to you that God put on my heart about eight months ago. Eight months ago, it was Friday night before youth had started, and I came in with a completely different message prepared. And if you're one of those people kind of like me, I like to have my messages prepared. I like to have it ready to go. I like to have all my notes and all my stories planned out so it can flow really nice and I don't waste anybody's time. So I had my message planned out and I get there and God's like, I want you to preach something different. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. I have everything planned, but you want me to preach something different? All right, God, hook me up. What, what do you want me to preach on? And he just gives me a verse. He gives me a verse and it's Philippians 4.4. This is what it says. They're going to put it on the screen. Philippians 4.4. He gives me this verse. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And I'm like, thanks, God. That's one little tiny scripture. Can you help me out with something a little bit more? Because I don't know what I'm going to say about this. I wasn't on my heart. You're just speaking it to me 20 minutes before service starts. Is there another verse that you can give me? So he's like, yeah, absolutely. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. This is what it says. Rejoice always. I'm like, thank God, because I didn't know what I was going to say. And I remember getting that word. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient. So I wrote down those two scriptures. I'm like, okay. But some of the most powerful times in your life and how God uses you is when you're just obedient. When you're just obedient and you're willing to step out and do something before you're prepared to do it. God is, is looking for people who are obedient, people who are prepared. So I, I preached this message, and I, and I just felt not that it was, it was me and how awesome I was, but, but how, how awesome our God is and how he will use somebody like me to communicate. And so I was preaching that message. So the title of this message, as you can see, is Rejoice. The title of this message is, is Rejoice. And I, Yeah, how did I get that? I don't know. I mean, it was, it was one of the God things. My like, God, what do you want me to know? But it, it was something that... Uh, God really placed on my heart, and I feel that the longer that you walk with God, the longer that you're in church, and, and even not in church, really anybody in here, you walk through seasons and times where you don't feel like rejoicing. You don't feel like rejoicing. You don't feel like celebrating. You don't feel like one more. You're like, man, you guys got too many parties. You got too many parties here. You got, why are you rejoicing and celebrating all the time? Because you're like, oh man, I got nothing to rejoice. I got nothing to party about. I got nothing to celebrate. I got nothing to rejoice. So, and you're in that, you're in that place. And, and I was in that place as well and been in that place and am in that place often where I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like rejoicing. I don't feel like celebrating. I don't feel like jumping up and down during praise and worship. You're like, you guys are crazy. They're singing and you're jumping. What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with us. There's everything right with us. There's everything right because we got something to jump up and down about. Now, I'm not telling everybody that you got to jump up and down during praise and worship, but I am asking you to try it. Try it. Give it a go. See what happens. There's things that bust off your life when you're willing to let loose from the comfortable when you're willing to let loose of what you know so you can get what God is trying to give you. 
And so this message I want to preach for the next few minutes, and, and, and hopefully as you leave here, you feel empowered. You feel a new revelation. You feel different on the inside of you to where your circumstances no longer dictate or tell you whether or not you're going to be happy or rejoice or be cheerful. Because it shouldn't be our circumstances that dictate in our life. But everybody here really likes to laugh. Maybe you haven't laughed in a while, but everybody likes to. That's why we go to comedies. That's why we watch comedies. That's why we, we do practical jokes on people. If you're a dude, you know what I'm talking about. Dudes do crazy things just to laugh. To each other, to ourselves, to people we don't even know. It doesn't matter. We just do it because we're like, it's funny. Practical jokes, right? That's how guys, guys roll. I, I did that growing up a little bit with me and my buddies, and I grew up in Oregon. I grew up in northern Oregon in a, in a town of about 10,000 people, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And uh, the biggest thing that happened to my hometown was when we got a Walmart. And listen, and I'm not exaggerating, okay? I'm telling you the truth. We're like, everybody, Walmart's coming. Like, this was big news. So we go to the, go to the Walmart, but... What we would do for friends is fun is we all had BB guns, right? We all had BB guns, and, you know, we would go and we'd shoot birds and things. And, and if that offends you, I'm so sorry. Listen, I love animals. I said this last Sunday. I love animals, but I love eating them way more. And uh, so, so we would go and we would, we would shoot birds and, and, you know, hang out. But then we get this bright idea because we're teenage guys, and teenage guys are just crazy. We're like, we got this bright idea. Hey, let's take our shirts off and shoot each other with the BB guns and see who gets the biggest welts. And so we just start shooting each other. One guy has a pistol. One guy has a pump BB gun. And we just start shooting each other and seeing who gets the biggest welts. And that's fun to us. There's no goggles. There's no eye protection. There is nothing. We're just going at it because we're like, hey, this is going to be great. And we, we would take our shirts off and we'd show all the welts on us, compare welts, and that was fun to us. Why? Because we're guys, because we like to laugh. There's a movie out, or not out, but a movie that came out a few years ago called Monsters, Inc. Who's seen the movie Monsters, Inc.? So it's a great movie. And really, it's about these monsters who go into these kids' bedrooms at night, and they scare the kids so that they can have power for their city. And the screams and the fear of these children powered their city. But towards the end of the movie, you find out that the little girl that, they, that wandered their way into the city and they kept with them started to laugh. And as she started to laugh, as she started to rejoice... The power, there was a power surge throughout the city. And what they figured out is that the power of a laugh or the power of rejoicing was ten times more powerful than the power of a scream. And see, Hollywood has figured it out and the church has kind of forgot it. And so we dwell on our fears and we dwell on what's gone wrong. We can't wait to get to church because we want to tell our connect leader or our friends what's happened in our week and what's bad that's going on in our life. So that they can just mourn with you or so that they can, you know, kind of come for you. And all that is good. But what if we kind of changed it a little bit? What if we got to church not so that we could place our head on people's shoulders so that so we could come and rejoice? Because even though we might not see victory, we know we're going to have victory. What if we did that? What if we came and in a time of worship and the team is leading worship and you don't feel like lifting your hands, you don't feel like rejoicing, you don't feel like worshiping God, but yet you say inside of yourself, I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate how I'm going to worship, and so you lift your hands and worship anyways. That's when the power of God comes on you. That's when God uses you because he looks for people who are willing to step out of their circumstance, willing to step out of what they know and say, God, I'm going to trust you when I don't see a way out, when I 
I don't know a way out, when I've never been there before, God, I'm going to trust you in the middle of my storm. So this morning, you know, at the end of service, we're going to sing a, that, that powerful worship song that we sang last. And as we, as we sing that, I want you to lift your hands up. If maybe you've never done it before, or maybe you've never experienced God, or maybe you don't feel like it. Maybe you used to be somebody who was passionate. Maybe you're in here and you're saying, hey, yeah, when I was a teenager, or when I was as young as you, I used to be passionate for God. I'm not passionate because I'm young, okay? I'm not passionate. In fact, I'm still, I'm not super young anymore. I thought I was, and then my wife's like, babe, you're not young anymore. I'm like, well, I feel young. I feel young. I, I, I want to still be young. I'm leading you, so it keeps me a little bit young. But you might be thinking, oh, well, I'm not young anymore. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It, rejoicing is not dependent on your age, okay? It's dependent on your choice, whether or not you're willing to rejoice, whether or not you're willing to say, hey, man, God, I'm here. I'm, I'm willing to rejoice. I'm willing to celebrate, even though I'm in a place where I shouldn't be celebrating. In fact, the world is telling me I shouldn't celebrate. The world is telling me I shouldn't rejoice. I'm still going to rejoice because that's what sets me apart from everybody else. That's what sets us apart from the normal. Amen? Like I was saying, we like to... Uh, we like to laugh and have fun. I remember we used to go whitewater rafting on the Deschutes River in Oregon. Every summer we'd go whitewater rafting. At the end, we'd go and jump off cliffs. Well, this year we found a giant cliff. Some of you heard this story. We found this giant cliff, and we went there. It was about 50, 60 feet in the air, and the only thing different about this cliff is when you stand on the edge, instead of just stepping your foot over and falling, you actually had to jump and leap over this boulder that was sticking out to make it down. And I'm looking at it, and I like jumping off cliffs, but um, it's not that I'm afraid of heights, but I'm afraid of falling and dying and, and not living the rest of my life. So I'm looking down, I'm like, and I'm 12 years old, 13 years old, and I'm like, I, I want to have children, I want to get married, I'm not jumping. And so I, I walk back, and I'm like, I'm okay with that. And as I'm walking back, a girl that's with our group, a girl that's with our group doesn't even look at the giant boulder doesn't look at the death that's waiting for her and just runs with a smile on her face. She's like, woo, and runs and jumps off the cliff and makes it. And I look down at her, and she's all smiling and happy and rejoicing. And I'm looking around. I'm saying, if a girl's going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I'm like, here I go. And before I jump, my older sister comes up to me. And how many people know that older sisters care more about your life than you care about your life? She comes up to me. She goes, David, don't do it. You're going to die. Thanks for the vote of confidence. Here we go. So I'll, I'll run three, two, one, and I jump off this thing. And, and again, I, I'm kind of scared of the actual jump, but once I'm in the air, it is awesome. Like skydiving, all that is fun. Once you make the jump, it is fun. So I'm going down, and I'm screaming, I'm going to live, like happy. And I look down, halfway down, my sister's halfway down, and with tears in her eyes, is looking and crying, you're going to die. I remember I made it, I survived, I'm here today, I'm married, and I have kids, boom. Sometimes you just got to take a risk and have fun, but we like, we like to have fun. I used to ride a bike up in uh, Rainier, Oregon, which was a smaller town than where I grew up. And uh, the road that my friends were on was a dirt gravel road with big potholes all over the place. And we used to ride on these bicycles. They're like the banana bikes with the banana seats. Remember those bicycles with like the 12-foot seat that you could fit 30 people on? Yeah, with, and it was glitter, purple glitter bike. 
This thing was awesome. So I was riding this thing, and, and there in Oregon, there's no really fences. You don't have gated communities, okay? There's like a gate around a prison, and that's it. So I'm going, people have dogs and animals, and we used to go to this one house where they had a Rottweiler. And this Rottweiler was probably friendly, but I was terrified of dogs. But yet I still liked the fun of having this dog chase me. So we would go in my bike, and I would wait there at the driveway, and when the dog would see me, it would charge after me, a big old Rottweiler. Okay, and I'm not a huge guy, but at 12, I'm a lot smaller as well. So I'm waiting. As soon as this dog starts running after me, I take off on the bike, and I'm crying and laughing at the same time. I'm like, <laughs> because I'm excited but scared because this dog is about to eat me, but yet I still do it anyways. Because we like to have fun. We do crazy things to get a laugh. We do crazy things to have fun. We do crazy things to rejoice. Why? Because it's healthy for us. Laughing and rejoicing actually builds your immune system. We'll build your immune system. We have too many people who are taking drugs instead of just rejoicing. We have people who are trying to medicate what we should be eradicating. So we have people medicating these things, but really the cure is in the Bible and what Paul says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's not enough just to say it one time. He's got to say it twice because he knows the power in rejoicing because he knows there's going to be times in your life where you don't feel like it. You don't have to wait for you to feel like it, to rejoice. Just do it anyways. I'm preaching this message today, and, and sure enough, last night, my beautiful baby girl decided to wake up every hour and a half, and that is just awesome. I remember going in there about 2 in the morning, and we, the only way sometimes we can put her to sleep, and, and it's just because she's going to be a leader and, and all that, and I'm okay with that for now, but once she's old enough to get spanked. Um, but... Uh, the only way that we can put her to sleep sometimes, we have this Vizio ball that you use for workouts, and I have to sit on this, and if you're a parent and you've, and you've tried it, or you are a parent and you haven't tried it, try it. It's awesome. So the only way we can put her to sleep is I have to bounce on this ball holding her, and I'm thinking right before I have to preach this message, and I'm upset because I'm up already, and I'm trying to prepare for this morning. I'm thinking rejoice always, rejoice always, rejoice always, as I'm bouncing her in this thing. But I'm like, thank God for the testimony that I can give this morning. Because even when I didn't feel like it, I'm still able to preach about rejoicing. I'm still able because I don't want my feelings. I'm not waiting for my feelings to line up. I'm not waiting for my circumstances to line up. Oh, man, I will rejoice when my bank account is where I want it to be. I will rejoice when, when my kids come back into the house of God. I will rejoice when my spouse and I get back together. No, don't wait for the things to happen for you to rejoice. Rejoice before the victory in your life. Your rejoicing can bring victory in your life. God is looking for people that in the middle of a fire are willing to worship God. Like Paul did in the prison. He was in the prison where sewage was up to his knees, but he was still praising and worshiping God. Not because his circumstances were awesome, but because his God was still awesome. Because his God was still good. So how do we do it? First thing is this. To rejoice, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice, but it's a choice that has to be made always. It's a choice that has to be made always. It's not up and down. It's a choice that you always have to make, whether you feel like it or whether you don't feel like it. And you're like, I don't understand. How am I meant to do that? How am I meant to make a decision and a choice to always rejoice when you don't understand what has happened in my world? I can't. I don't want to. Everything around me is telling me not to. 
How do I always make a choice? Well, I'm here to tell you how to do it this morning. You have to take your eyes off of your problems and put your eyes on the problem solver. On the problem solver. This is what it says in Luke 10, 20. Actually, Luke 10, 17. He says, then the 70 returned with joy. The 70 that Jesus sent out says they returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Jesus is pumped for the, for the disciples. He's like, awesome, guys, great job. He goes on, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless... Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So he says, hey, it is awesome what you're doing. It is incredible that you are going out and the spirits and the demons are subject to you. I'm giving you authority to go and do it. But he says, don't let that be be the foundation of your rejoicing. He says, do not rejoice that they are subject to you. Rather rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What he's trying to teach the disciples is if if we just rejoice in what we do, our rejoicing will be seasonal in our life. Because there's a time in your life where you're going to step in to something that you didn't want to be in. You're going to stop doing things. You're not going to make it. Things are going to fall short. Businesses are going to fail. Marriages are going to fail. Children are going to walk away from God. Jesus is trying to teach them that if you only rejoice when you do something, right your rejoicing will not be always he says rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven he's teaching him don't rejoice in what you do rejoice in what I've done when you can rejoice in what he's done your rejoicing can be always in the mountaintops in the valleys in a storm no matter what it is you can rejoice you can have a smile on your face man I don't feel like it but I'm still gonna do it Because my name is still written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Even though everything is crumbling around me, my God is still good. He is still God. He is still King. He still sits on a throne. Pastor Matt's going to preach a phenomenal message tonight. I'm not going to steal any of his thunder, but it's going to go along with kind of that right there. But but you got to rejoice. You got to rejoice, but you got to look towards God. You got to look to Him as the author and perfecter of your faith in the middle of that storm. We, we can't let Twitter and Facebook tell us how popular we are. We can't let Instagram tell us whether or not people like us or whether or not we're going to rejoice. Woo! 50 likes, baby. 100 likes. I remember the moment that you break 100 likes on a photo. You're like, I have arrived. This is awesome. 100 people liked my photo. This is great. I'll remember thinking that. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you because I'm human, okay? I'm not up here telling you I'm holy. When I get down today, I'm going to look at my Instagram. I'm going to look at my Twitter and see how many people tweeted me and Instagrammed me, okay? I'm going to do it. I'm sorry. I'm imperfect. But I can't let that, I can't let that decide whether or not I'm going to rejoice. I have to rejoice whether or not because I, I need to rejoice just knowing that I'm being obedient to where God has called me to be. And if nobody likes it, that's okay, because I don't have to have people to like it to know if I'm being obedient or not. We have too many people, man, nobody likes me. Facebook is a great thing, but it's also a really bad thing. We have so many teenagers that are falling into depression just because nobody likes their photo or post. Just because, man, nobody must like me because they haven't liked what I've put. We can't base our value on social media. Because what happens when Instagram crashes? You're like, am I still loved? 
I can't even look to see if I've got any more likes. I can't look to see if anybody has posted anything about me. Now, I'm not saying it's bad. I got all those and I use all those. They're great weapons, but they can't be the source of your strength and the source of your value. You have to rejoice always. Psalm 63, 7 says this, Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. Because you've been my help, in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. David says this in Psalms 9, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Now that's a powerful scripture, but what's more powerful is David wrote that the day after his son died, the day after his baby was taken, he writes, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. And people would look at him and say, what marvelous works? He just took your baby. And he says, my rejoicing is not dependent on my circumstance. My rejoicing is dependent on my God. And he is always good. He is always great. He is always there for you. His plans for you are good. His plans for you are great. You might not see the light at the end of the tunnel, but if you keep going, you will get there. It's a promise from God. And the promises of God are yes and amen. Just hold on to him. Job 31 says, if I have made gold my hope or said to find gold, you are my confidence. If I have rejoiced because of my wealth, because my wealth was great and because my hand had gained much. If I had observed the sun when it shines or the moon moving in brightness, so that my heart has been secretly enticed and my mouth has kissed my hand. This also would be an iniquity deserving as judgment, for I would have denied God who is above. We look at what we have and we rejoice in that. I've been there, Okay. I've been there, I've rejoiced in, I got this thing, I got this job, I got this blessing, and it's good. Rejoice in those things, but don't let that be the only time you rejoice. Just rejoice because you're his. Rejoice because, man, you're living, you're alive. When you're born, the day you're born, you start to die. But when Jesus comes in, you start to live. Rejoice that you're alive. Rejoice that you're living. Everything might not be perfect. Everything not, might not be the way that you want it. But God is still there. And he's still going to bring you through if you can rejoice in him. If you can worship him when you don't feel like it. When your baby is screaming in the middle of the night and there is nothing you can do to quiet him. Rejoice. How? But just thanking God. Thank you. Thank you that I have a family. Thank you that I have kids. Thank you that you love me in the midst of this thing. Second one is this. And I'm going to have the, the keys come up because I want to do something towards the end. I want to finish a little bit early because we got welcome to church party and nap time. So this is what it says. <laughs> don't pretend like you don't nap on Sundays. Everybody does. It is from the Lord. It's the Sabbath. Jesus napped. God napped. Probably still does. This is what, the second thing is this. It can only be always if it's in everything. It has to be always by focusing on Jesus, but it can only be always if it's in everything. If it's in your marriage, you're like, you don't understand. You're right, I don't, but it has to be in everything. In your giving, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. 
Man, when you give, when you write that check that you don't know where the money's going to come from, or you give a deposit like the Higginbottoms on your dream house, but you give it anyways, or you start giving your money, you give what you don't have, but you say, God, I'm still going to be faithful, I'm still going to give, I'm still going to be cheerful, it has to be in everything. Whatever you see in front of you, whatever you're going through, even if it's bad, still rejoice. Still rejoice. God is looking for people that are going to rejoice. The devil comes and, and tries to throw accusations and tries to bring you down and says, man, just be in depression. Just take this thing and that thing and, and, and do this and don't go to church because you don't feel like it. Don't go to church. Just spend time on you. Just spend time with you. Just spend time alone and, and that will be good and that will refresh you. And sometimes that is good, but it's never a substitute for God. Man, church is something, church is a non-negotiable for me. Not because I'm on staff, not because I'm a pastor here. Before I was a pastor, it was a non-negotiable for me. I'm not saying it because I'm up here, I'm up here because I say it. Because I say it. Because I say it and me and my wife made a decision that we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it, it's a non-negotiable. But what if, doesn't matter. What if the car breaks down, doesn't matter, I'll get a ride. Why, because man, this is what keeps me going. This is what fills me with, with joy, fills me with hope to continue on in my week, to continue on in my life. This is what keeps me going. So I don't let everything around me tell me whether or not I'm going to go to church or not. And there's times, if you got kids, you know. You know there's times where, where they, you just put a nice outfit on them and they just pooped all over it. You're like, I got a reason not to go. My child just pooped everywhere. But yet you change it. You suck it up and you get to church because you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In the good times, in the bad times, on the mountaintops and in the valleys, we will serve Him. We will serve Him. Amen? Rejoicing comes through putting your hope and trust in God. Rejoicing will bring victory for you. It's not a coincidence as the Israelites marched around Jericho. On the seventh day, they marched around it seven times. On the seventh time, they lifted a shout. Because a shout, when you're tired, has power in it. A shout, when you're broken. A shout, when you're messed up. A shout, when your circumstances don't line up activates the power of God. It's hot out. They just marched around it six days in a row and then seven times in one day and then a shout of rejoicing. God brings victory in the midst of your storm when you're tired, when you're broken, when you're hurting. It's your choice to rejoice. It's your choice it's your choice. Say, God, I don't feel like it, but you're still worthy. You are still worthy. That's how he strengthens you. So the next time you hit a storm, the next time you hit a wall, it's no big thing. It's no big thing because you've been there before and you overcame it. You overcame it. He stretches you to capacity and then leaves you there so that next time you come to that place, it's no big thing. 
You get there by rejoicing, by worshiping Him when you don't feel like it. Man, by showing up. I love our youth leaders. I love our young adult leaders. Why? Because they're out Thursday night. They're out Friday night. They're out Saturday night. They're out Sunday morning. They're out Sunday night. But yet they are still happy and on fire for God. I love them. I love them. We have 650 youth because our God is awesome, but because our leaders to say, hey, I'm willing to pay the price.